Welcome to episode 19 of the Dump and Change podcast. I'm your host, Reed McDonald, uh, coming to you from the Odd Man Rush Studios deep in Eagle River Valley at the Glines Compound. Uh, once again, we are uh, without my lovely co-host, uh, Walter Eunice, who is, uh, I'm not sure where Walter is. We'll find out here in a minute, but he is somewhere between uh, the coast, I don't know, but somewhere between Wisconsin and what is it, North Carolina, something like that, South Carolina? Anyway, Walter, you're there, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. It's good to uh, – I'm excited about tonight's guest, first and foremost. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing some research on a couple of guys that I didn't uh, I didn't know a lot about, but I know a lot of the same people uh, that that know that they know as well. So that was kind of cool. And, and I'm just trying to keep it together in the sweltering Midwest heat. Um, just made a big drive from uh, – Pauly's Island, South Carolina, all the way to Oswego, Illinois. It's about 94 degrees. Um, it cooled off here tonight. Uh, it's about, I think it was 83 when I just pulled in the garage at, at 9, 9 p.m. Yeah. I it's, think, uh, I it's in the Midwest, it's, it's they cold. call that an oofta. That's yeah. No, it's, one of the, it's one of those uh, hot as balls, right? Yeah. It's hot as balls out. Yeah. No, it, it's so, hot. So you, you say Illinois. Do I say it wrong? I always said Illinois. Is it Illinois? You would well, know. I just like to, you know, you know how, like, you know, I like to bring the noise. So, like, you know, like Illinois was always kind of cool, you know. So, so you're yeah, saying it wrong, know, or potato, hey, you know, I guess potato, potato, right? Potato, potato, potato. It, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, Illinois, Illinois. It, I think the S is silent. Yeah, nice. Uh, have you been watching any of the NHL hockey? And like we we talked about on the podcast before, uh, we're all hockey fans, obviously. Uh, but I, I just can't, uh, I'm just not feeling it. Um, but I, I know that, now I know we're in round two. I, I know, well, I've watched a few games, but I couldn't tell you. I, I well, I can now cause I looked it up. But I couldn't tell you who was playing who in, uh, in the second round. I'm not a, maybe I'm not as avid NHL guy as I thought I was. You know, I just I, think it's, it's I, just, it's just to me, it's unpure. Okay. It's just a, it's an abbreviation on the season. And again, you're gonna have to mess up season. That's just me. But, uh, so, so the thing that I think is pretty cool about it, well, not cool, it, it, ironic about it is the other day after the Capitals got eliminated, the announcer came on and says, you know, these youngish teams or younger teams that, you know, this is cool for them, right? They don't have kids or a wife. They're with their boys in a hotel playing professional hockey. Uh, and those are the teams that are kind of successful right now. They're getting a little mojo. You know, the, the guys that are okay with just – being in a bubble, you know, the older guys, you know, the, the Washington Capitals, the St. Louis Blues, those guys, they got families and, and, and a routine, probably a daily routine at their house and stuff with their pets and families. Those teams are, they're going bye-bye. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, you might see like the Vancouver Canucks win a Stanley Cup championship this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, look at uh, Tuka Rask. He said, yeah, I'm, I got more important things to do and he's out of there. So, I mean, I kind of see, I see that. I mean, they're, you're stuck in the bubble without your family and, and that's got to be tough. So the younger guys, they're stuck to their video games probably, and uh, oh, yeah. playing the playing the uh, video games, whatever video games they'd play. A COD, COD is one. Yeah, no one knows what COD is. Call of Duty, they call it COD. You're playing COD. I'm like, <laughs> you're playing. Okay, whatever. Um, so yeah. Uh, so hey, Walter, you sound great uh, as usual. He's got the best voice of of all. It's called him Golden Voice, but um, uh, no gins tonight. We're gonna get to that in a minute. Uh, but we do have executive producer uh, Steve Glines. Uh, Stevie, how you doing, bud? Thanks, Rito. Thanks, Rito. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. We're back in the studio. We're still tweaking a few things. Uh, I think it's working out well. Um, so I'm done paying subcontractors. 
Um, I'm not writing checks anymore. Uh, I am swiping the card at, uh, at Lowe's and Home Depot a little bit. Uh, had to buy some tools because I didn't own any, but, uh, and learn how to use them. So, <laughs> and, yeah, Walt laughs, but he knows because that's true. <laughs> <laughs> My wife says, why are you buying a shop? I said, it's not a shop, it's a studio. Aaron, Aaron can probably show you how to use the tools. <laughs> well, ironically, so we started the build out in here, and now it's just me and her. And uh, the first thing she does, you know, she starts polishing the beams and, you know, do some of the fine-tuning work. The first thing I do is uh, right behind me here, Rito, is a 6 by 6 painted square. Uh, of course, there's going to be a lot of a lot of paint to be done in here, but uh, so a 6 by 6 foot painted square so I can hang the 80-inch uh, TV tomorrow. So... <laughs> I thought you were going to paint a mural or something. Well, I, no, exciting, no, no, but no, I figure as much work that's got to be done in here. Um, and uh, going back to the NHL, I, I, I bagged on it a couple of weeks ago. I have 100% bought in. So when I'm up here uh, working after uh, working after work, and uh, so I'll be tuning in here as we can get down to the uh, the semis here next and whatnot. So I bought in the NHL. NHL, I apologize. Apologize to the bubble. I was absolutely wrong. I'm loving the games. I'm loving the talent. I'm loving uh, racing home from work, and it, it feels like April again. So, and it's getting a little cold out. So, um, yeah. So, who do, who do you like? Uh, up, uh, who's left here? There's eight teams left, right? Vegas, baby. Vegas. Vegas? Yeah. Going Vegas, huh? Yeah. I don't even. I don't even know. Big I'm, Ryan Reeves guy. Big Ryan uh-huh. Reeves, and and the, and the goaltender uh, controversy of the will. Closest thing you can have under controversy, but uh, great great goalie tandem. Fun to watch. I'm gonna go Stars, mm. just because uh, used to be Minnesota. I was a big Minnesota North Star fan when I was a kid uh, either that or the Islanders I'm still stuck on the Islanders the four times they won in a row the dynasty with bossy and all those guys on it but um so what um, Al Arbor Al Arbor was their Al coach. Arbor exactly Trottier do you remember when do you remember when they brought Al Arbor back because he was stuck at like I think he was stuck at like 1499 wins oh and yeah they brought him back and signed him on as a coach for one game and they won to get his 1500th win I just remember them talking about uh, Edmonton Oilers coming in with Wayne Gretzky and playing that team and being the young hotshots and uh, getting the shit kicked out of them. Uh, the first year that uh, Oilers met them, I think that was their fourth, it was the Islanders' fourth championship. And I remember them going, I remember Gretzky saying, going by the locker room, looking in, and he thought there would just be this big party. And it was just a bunch of older, experienced hockey players just icing their groins and icing their wounds and licking their wounds. But that's like, it was a big thing. That's what it takes to win. So, uh, it's some classic hockey, hockey there. But, uh, so yeah, we don't have big Ginge here. And, and, uh, like I said before, Ginge is just so his stories and stuff, uh, for me to kind of poke fun at him, come, you know, just come out of the woodwork. And when I say that they come from Travis Martin, thanks Trav. Appreciate it. It gets me, uh, all the good dirt on Ginge. So, um, first thing with Ginge, there is rumor in the RHL uh, that in the captain's party, he's one of the four captains, and they had a cornhole tournament to see who gets to be first in the draft, and they get to pick their sponsor. Rumor has it that he may have threw the tournament. No. That's, that's what we hear. That's, that's a word in the street. And I can't, I can't name names, and I can't name sources, but so he would get – he wouldn't get the first pick, but he'd get four and he'd five. Get fourth and fifth. That's 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 out there. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it wasn't me. Uh, so that and then Ginge is probably I'm I'm thinking why he's not here because he's in hot water with his old lady because he went drinking with the guy to my right, Steve Glines, comes home, sleeps in, and I guess their little four-month-old puppy who's treated like a small child, um, yeah, piss and shit all over the house evidently and. Uh, 
yeah, that didn't, that didn't go over so well. So he's probably just licking his wounds from that, I'm assuming. Because uh, we do record tomorrow night, so maybe he'll get a, maybe he'll get a kitchen pass tomorrow night. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, oh, last but not least, uh, what, do we call, what do we call him again? Studio engineer. Studio engineer, I'm sorry. And it's, probie. It's take, uh, I got to write that down, probie. Probation. Uh, Kevin. hey hey how you doing, Kev? I'm here. He's here. He 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 got us back on track here. He had a he had to actually work here today, get us online. But uh, I'll he, tell you, whatever he did, fixed all your guys' mics. Uh, they were kind of cracking in and out when we first started, and uh, now they're they're pretty spot on right now. The knobber. He's the knobber. Yeah, he's, knob, he's the tweaker over there. Handling them knobs. Um, one other thing I do want to talk about is uh, the current state of uh, obviously we got the corona virus pandemic uh, wreaking havoc on everything. Uh, but we've got our, our mayor kind of in some hot water here. Um, you know, he's using that $3 million uh, CARES Act money and he's been in hot water for that, trying to be homeless, whatever. So, but now I think he's maybe across the line when he went and he's going to use uh, Boki, shut down Boki um, uh, to possibly shut down Boki. And I actually called Randy Grunberg, who is the um, main man over there, makes the ice. And, uh, yeah, he basically said he's going to make ice, but it could be the plug, the plug could be pulled on him any time. So, uh, to me, it's just a kind of a shame to, um, one, put a bunch of money, millions of dollars into refrigeration systems, CO2 systems, which we have the same ones at the MAC, and then to uh, turn those into homeless shelters, and you're taking away that Rick opportunity. Away from... A lot of people, but mostly kids. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't. I don't have the answer to the homeless population, but I do know that you don't want to piss off the hockey moms. Can you imagine? Love Baker. Can, can you imagine three hundred Mandy loves up there, just you know, feisty and ready to roll? I. I don't know. But uh, and our guests may have some uh, some views on that too. So, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit. Uh, stoked, stoked to be on stoked. Uh, we got some. Um, uh, dare I say old timers here that, that know a lot more about hockey than I do uh, than anyone here. And uh, without further ado, um, I, I'm going to have Walter uh, give it the introduction. Yeah, no, like I said already, pretty excited about this group because everybody that comes on, we, we all kind of have a connection to them uh, in one way or another. And, uh, and we're able to, uh, you know, get facts fairly easy. Um, I will say this to to our guests today that I that uh, that re- reaching out to people that know you um, that I know uh, I can tell you that I've never talked to you know so many about so many people with no ill words at all. So every single person that I ask about uh, our next two guests, uh, they were very high regard and uh, and no nothing ill to say about him at all um so with that uh our next two guests require zero introduction uh to alaska hockey purists researching these two uh one thing i can tell you is i've heard nothing but high praise and kind words for both of these men a truck driver and a lawyer their friendship developed through the love of the game their hockey careers have outlasted mine by 40 years and Rito's by three decades and counting uh both men competed on the 2018 USA over 80 team and beat team Canada with one of our guests notching the game winner in a shootout. Both men have their fingerprints all over Alaska hockey from the Wolverines to the Han plumbers. I'll end by giving a quote from a friend that plays with both. They can both still play the game and are great fun to hang out with and have a beer with. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome Jimmy Reese and Frank Nosek to the Dump and Change podcast. Welcome, fellas. Wonderful to be here. Yeah. Uh, I, we're going we're gonna to get, there's, there's so much to, to get to, um, but uh, uh, I want to start with, uh, you, where you're kinda, you guys are well known, obviously, for the Canada 150 Cup. So kind of like to start there and we'll kind of go back. So, um, so that started, how, how did that all, how did that U.S.-Canada rivalry, that wasn't always a thing, was it? It, it, it wasn't always a thing. It was an idea of a fellow who uh, is unusual in the hockey fields. They come along and they are organizers and people gravitate towards the organizers in hockey. We all love to play the game, but uh, we like to have somebody else do the organizing. So this man was Paul, <laughs> Paul Plourd, and he is a hockey player. He's a little bit young. He's, uh, I think, just turned 80 this year. So he didn't get to play in the early games, but he did do the organizing. But he's playing now, right? He or played he... last year for the first time. Gotcha, yeah. And rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie. Uh, but we learned a lot from Paul and the first games. He got sponsors. Uh, he got uh, USA Hockey to endorse this tournament, which was uh, really put on by the Canadian government in celebration of 150-year anniversary of the country. And there's the 150. Gotcha. I was wondering where that came from. Yeah. That's it. The 150 years of Canadian Canadians, and um, the first tournament we had, which was the one that Jimmy had the overtime game winner in. Uh, otherwise, it was a pretty tight game. But they had a tournament afterwards, and it was a huge affair, six, seven, maybe even 800 people at a huge hall, something that our level of hockey had never experienced before. And Jim and I didn't know any of the other players. They mostly knew each other. They were East Coast players, I think, for the most part, a few in the West Coast and one or two in Europe. But we found out that there are 800 over 80 players playing actively just in Toronto <laughs> and similar in Montreal and Vancouver. So they have, they have a lot of hockey players in this age bracket. Jim and I happen to be about all that Alaska has to offer in that age bracket. But uh, Jim got recruited first. He was uh, recruited at a Snoopy tournament. And uh, I, I owe my good luck of being on that team to Jim because when they asked him, do you know any other 80 players that can play, still play, why he gave them my name. And so I got to play right wing with Jim and uh, kind of share in the glory of Jim. He's gotten uh, an assist in the second win we had. 
Uh, he took the uh, face off and fed it to the left wing. Fortunately, he didn't feed it to me. I was his right wing. And there was the score. And uh, I got to ice the puck a couple of times to run out the clock. And uh, that was our second win. So we're scheduled uh, for another event in 2021. Don't know when because Canada, of course, is not welcoming U.S. citizens right now. Yeah, yeah. So, but so you say there's like 880 plus hockey players just in Ottawa, just in Toronto. Just how, in Toronto. how many? Do you have a feel of how many 800 or how, how many we we have eight that are 80 plus in in U.S. I mean. Well, uh, do we Paul, have 800? No, I don't think we have anywhere near 800. Uh, Paul seemed to struggle to get a team put together in 2017 of 19 players and a goalie. And of course, the word that the team was in existence hadn't been out and about, but couple of wins and three games and the word is out. And so all the 77, 78, 79 year olds are coming out of the woodwork now saying, I've just turned, I'm ready. They get, they, yeah. yeah, they're ready. So they're, he, he's got more players asking to play on the US team now than he's allowed to have. I'm not sure what the level of The roster is, but I think it's maybe 21 or 22 in a goalie. So how how does that work? I mean, is there like a is there a tryout? Is there a training camp? Is there any type of or is it? I think that there may be for uh, on the Canadian side, but there wasn't on the U.S. side. We had a team, and we were lucky to have it. There was no mechanism in place for the growth of the team, and so while some players have obviously had to drop out because of injuries and old age and that kind of thing. Um, there are a couple of players that would probably still like to play, but he's gotten better players. And so he's faced with that problem. I'm glad it's him that's faced <laughs> yeah, with right. it and not me. But uh, so last year he just expanded the team and they let him do it. And I think he came with at 26 players and simply tried to play as better players more often. And that was the best he could do. So he, he's got to face that problem uh, probably this next. Well, it, it's impressive that despite the numbers, you guys are, you had done it three years now, and three you're years. two and one. Yeah. USA, USA, USA. <laughs> and that, that's, that's pretty impressive when they're, when they're talking about the just sheer numbers, which we all know, Canada. That's the, the you know that's where it's all started and, and obviously huge. That's their that's their game, uh, but to be two and one against that that is that'd be pretty satisfying. Well, we have a an advantage of sorts here in the lack of the older players, so we play with younger players. And I sort of think as I look at some of the eighty-year-olds that we play against that they're playing regularly, twice, maybe three times a week. They play a lot of hockey against themselves. And so I think that playing against the younger players has given, uh, certainly Jimmy and I get a better, uh, 
Better, better workout. Better yeah. workout, yeah. Well, so as, as you get, cause I, I can go from experience. So uh, when I started playing beer league hockey, you kind of get into it and there's, uh, you know, idiots left and right. That's one of the reasons we started the year of the hockey league. But you got, you know, just guys out there trying to relive the glory days and whatnot. Um, so I remember I, I stepped, I did a couple years. I said, I, I don't need this. You know, I'll get cross-checked in the face, whatever. Then the 35-year-old, like, I'm like, oh, you know, we're all 35. We're getting a little more mature, and they're still idiots. What, at what point, or is there a point where it's actually, you know, no stupid shit out there? Is, is it, like, what are the games like versus Canada? Does it get, get nasty, feisty, or? Very seldom. Yeah. I mean, there is a little bit, uh, you know, it, it's no slap shots and no body contact. And when there is body contact, it's for the most part inadvertent. There's right. a little pushing, a little shoving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think that it happens around 50 years of age because this uh, 49er group that uh, Jim and I play with uh, here in Anchorage, it's got 60 or 70 members in it now, and 50 is the opening age. And uh, once or twice, we have comments back about somebody skillful enough to use all of their skills, right. and that includes a little bit of body contacting. And, yeah. But not very often, so I think it's right in the age there turning 50 where you say, I gotta go to work tomorrow, gotta take my wife out after dinner. Uh, you know, and uh, it's collegial playing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm right there, I turn 52 tomorrow, so I'm, I'm eligible for the 49ers, so. Well, Boom. you gotta get on the list, oh, you know, geez. because. It's getting serious, I gotta <laughs> yeah. submit my application. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there aren't tryouts, but there, there, there are, I think, uh, about a half a dozen or a dozen people on the list. So it's more of a character thing, right? You, you, don't, want the, yeah, you don't want the asshole out there being an asshole. You know? Well, they have a little bit of a, a, a sort of an introductory that Jim and I are playing in, and it's in the summertime. The only thing is when they, they talk about getting rough, they throw them out. Yeah, as they should. We did the same thing with our league. Yeah. No, no idiots. Yeah. And, uh, well, like we all know, hockey's it's aggressive sport. Um, oh, yeah. But as we age, it's not as aggressive as it uh, once was, or should should it be? Um, so that that's that's incredible. I mean, we all followed that along. We watch you guys on KTU, and and, and uh, so congratulations. I mean, that's that's got to be a big feather in the old cap. Um, but I, I want to go back a little little uh, little so. Um, I'll start with, with Jimmy. Jimmy, you're from uh, Deep, Deep River Falls or Badger? Deep River, well, I was born in Badger. Yeah. And I was born and I was raised in Deep uh, River Falls. Yeah, so. That's uh, where I started playing hockey. So when, when did you start playing? About seven years old. Seven years old. Yeah. Obviously, hockey's kind of like akin to Canada in the fact that it's, I mean, everyone plays hockey mostly in, 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 uh, in Minnesota, a huge hockey state. Well, there's quite a few from Minnesota that are even up here. Yeah, oh, big time. A lot of Vikings fans. Or, or Packers fans before the Vikings were even around, right? Well, I'm not a football character anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do have a, a story. There, there's a, there's, I, I, we dug a little, like we talked about, uh, Walt had talked about, um, your high school team wins the state championship 
Um, and there's a book wrote about it, which I have not read, which I want to. Um, but the, the way I heard the story, and I want you to tell it best your knowledge, um, you, didn't play, you weren't able to play in that? I got uh, cut from the team on the corner, got caught smoking. And it was my brother that was the one that uh, the, uh, the coach from the <laughs> basketball team said he'd seen me and it wasn't me. But I admitted, I, at that time, I was smoking a little bit, not, not like a chain yeah. smoker or anything, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, so what, your brother back from the Navy or something, and he was at the grocery store? And... Oh, he, he's out of the, he was out of the Navy. Okay, just a, just a bad scenario, bad luck. Well, the thing of it is, he, he's about oh, 18 years older than I, but him and I looked alike. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a classic. So you... Um, Actually, uh, Steve McSwain called you akin to like the Alaskan Gordy Howe. Um, you know, yeah, that's what he told me one time too. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> I thought that was great. So, I, I do remember, you know, barely like this is like seventies, the early seventies. You played for the Wolverines. Uh, yeah, so uh, Wolverines started in what seventy three, seventy four. Yeah, and uh, that's when I I was a captain of that, the captain and coach, assistant coach for it. Yeah, I, I remember going to those games at, at Bokey uh, and, and watching you guys. And I remember I remember watching Emilio Beaver was out there, too, as a young pup at, at one time, maybe. Or was he? I, I believe he started a, a year later. Yeah. But he, he was really young then. Yeah, so those, those that don't remember the Wolverines, I, I said I'm 52, and I remember going to Wolverines games, and that was like – that was like akin to the Aces. Now it was it was the it was a hot ticket in town, and so. Um, but even going before that, and Walt mentioned it, the Han Plumbers. That was a big big hockey. Uh, did you play for Han Plumbers, Frank? I, I practiced with Han Plumbers a little bit once in a while. No, I didn't play for them. But what there was another one. The, the uh, I think my dad might have played for the Blades. Was that another one? Uh, the first National Bank Blades. First National Bank yeah. Blades. Th those are being. In fact, I think there's a picture of my dad playing for the Blades or something on the mural at the Mac Center. With you know, they had the guy no helmets, the guy had the horn rim glasses and, and just <laughs> crazy stuff. But um, uh, so so Frank, um, did you? How long you've lived in Alaska? Are you from Alaska originally? No, I'm not. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Oh, it's answered. Yeah. Sorry, Walt. There you are. <laughs> a little suburb north of Chicago. So when, when did what you suburb, move? What oh. suburb? It's uh, called Highland Park. Oh, yeah. I, I, I played there. The youth, youth kids played there, yeah. 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 Well, they didn't have indoor rinks when I grew up, except... Uh, Downtown, the Wurtzes had the Blackhawks, but uh, I got to play with. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure which of the Wurtz family, but we called Arthur Wurtz, who was the Wurtz I played with. His father was the owner of the Blackhawks at that time, or, or owned for the family, the Blackhawks, and we did get to go down once or twice and skate on artificial ice. Nice. It was unusual, yeah. Yeah. So what, what, uh, what year did you come to Alaska? What kind of brought you north? I, I, I knew I was coming to Alaska from the time I was in grade school. And uh, it was just a question of moving west until I uh, got out of school. I came up in 1960 and, and 
loved being here ever since. It's just been a wonderful place, especially for a lawyer. I mean, there weren't very many lawyers yeah. to start with. And yeah. Got to kind of grow with the country. So no, NOSEC is uh, uh, Czechoslovakian, I understand? It, it is. It's uh, actually the Bohemian part of the Czech Republic now. And uh, so it's a, if you look in the Prague Czech Republic phone book, you'll find three or four pages of NOSECs. Actually, there's a NOSEC, uh, Tomas NOSEC, playing for Vancouver, uh, for uh, Vegas. Re relation? Uh, Somewhere along the line? The better he does, the closer it gets, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, uh, we, we've talked, and uh, I've got his jersey and a lot of signed paraphernalia from him, but we don't think we're related. No, well, yeah, somewhere along the line. Do you have a, a, a son who lives in Czechoslovakia? I do. I have a son that lives in Prague. He's an investment banker. He plays a lot of hockey. He yeah. plays here in Anchorage for West High when he was uh, in high school here. And another son who lives here in Anchorage, uh, uh, Peter, who's a lawyer here for a native village corporation. And he uh, was on the hockey team at West High. I think uh, he always says he was at the far end of the bench, but uh, <laughs> he got in a few games. And yeah. He's played a lot of hockey. So what, what was like when you moved to Alaska in 1960, what was the landscape of hockey at that time? Well, there were the Han Plumbers were one of the very big teams. They were, it was called the Senior League, I, as I recall at that time. And as far as I know, all of those games were either played out on one of the bases or at 10th and E at the rink. Park strip. In the park strip. Park, park strip, strip yeah. Park strip, yeah. And Jimmy and uh, a couple of the guys would pass a blanket around and everybody stood on the snow berms outside, threw dollars or coins in the blanket and that's how they kind of paid for the keep and uniforms and whatnot. You get, did you guys get any of that money or no? No, that sort of went to, to uh, well, I'd say the organization, but there wasn't much in the blanket either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> peanuts. So, 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 Jimmy, when when did you move to Alaska? December of 59. 59? Yeah. So you guys have seen Alaska hockey <laughs> start from, like, Basically, how much hockey was there when you guys moved? I mean, very little compared to now. Well, when I came up here, when I played with the Han Plumbers, it was at uh, the Merchants, and then they had another, uh, the uh, Fort Rich and Elmendorf had teams. And then they sort of fizzled out. But we, the Han Plumbers did pick up a couple of players from the Air Force and the Army to make our squad. So did you guys bring teams up? Did any teams ever bring teams up to play you guys or oh we uh the uh, the army and air force used to bring in teams from canada well we had the han plumbers played uh, a couple of teams from uh outside the Can canadian white horse was another one and it uh it was pretty good hockey yeah they, they were uh they played the, the old style hockey yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I'm sure you guys did too. I've I've, I've oh, played yeah. against you, and we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> oh, tell that story yeah, we, here in a minute. Yeah, we we uh, we give back what we, we received. Yeah. <laughs> so give what, them some of that back. Yeah. So what what about what about youth hockey? What would what would the what did the youth hockey look like back in like 1959, 60? Was there youth hockey? Uh, there was very little. 
but uh, we did have uh, Bobby Pyatt, and he played for uh, the West. They had a, a team going, and uh, we picked him up for the Han Plumbers. And he was uh, on the verge, and they wouldn't, wasn't supposed to be playing. Too young? Yeah. yeah he was just a, a senior. He might have been a senior at that time. Yeah. But we picked him up as a player, and he was a good player. Yeah. But, like, very little in the form of, like, youth hockey uh, leagues or i mean we talked we, we look back aha was what, what was that wall aha started in what year i i, I should know this but oh, it's like shit. 60 63 i want to say well, yeah something like yeah that. it was small it was small though they only had like uh regional teams and there's only like two or three of them i thought or four maybe i mean because i started playing hockey youth hockey in 73 and at that time, I mean, it was it was getting going a little more. I mean, there was like two might teams in the whole city, you well, know, east they, and west. They had the AMU team at that time with the senior league. The Alaska Methodist University, yeah, yeah, yeah they they, they, they had were, a team, they, yeah, and we played with them too. So, so was was it was it like a bona fide league of like, you know. Schedule well, they, and you know we're playing. Well, they they had schedules and they had uh, given trophies at the end of the year. Beer beer at the games? No beer at the games? Uh, right, not right at the rink because it's too cold. Yeah, because it's outdoor rinks. <laughs> well, I, I remember getting pretty rowdy at the Wolverines games. They well, served beer at both. Well, when they when they went into the, the sports arena on fireweed, that's when they had uh, yeah. beer. Yeah. I remember that. That's the first. That's the first place I remember skating indoors, and it was such a big deal. And then, as you played, uh, you got a the odd game there. But it was like when, once you got a game there, you called grandma, you called everyone you knew, like, "Hey, we're skating inside." It was such a novelty for for us even growing up. So I can imagine. Uh, I mean, you guys too. Same thing. Well, the, the indoor rink the uh, we the. The Wolverines would be practicing at about eleven o'clock at night. At outside or no, in, at the indoor in, rinks? Inside. Oh, we didn't hardly ever have practices when it was outside. So, so the Wolverines, <laughs> um, uh, back uh, the Wolverines. So, who did you guys play? I, I was so I was way into the Wolverines. I can't remember when, who you guys played, but who did you guys play for that anchored? Oh, I don't remember the teams from. Uh, Vancouver area, but there was about four or five of them. And then uh, Portland Royals and uh, Seattle Indians, we, we uh, played them guys once in a while, not too often. Yeah, but it was, it was, a, it was a, it, it felt, as a kid, it felt like a real, like a real pro league. I mean, it was, it was cool as hell. Well, they, they, and, they played it as such. Yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> um, and I still have. I, I meant to bring it down, but I've got a I've got a, a Wolverines puck, and I got a little pennant, you know, the one with you know, the felt pennant you put on your wall, which is on my son's wall now. But yeah, I still got a few a uh, few things here and there for the, from the old Wolverines. So, uh, uh, Frank, you're you're you were highly involved as an attorney, maybe maybe not, but in the building of Boki and the management of like the Miami, which stood for. Mulcahy Ice Arena Management Inc. Ooh, there you go. See, I was wrong. Yeah. That was municipal. Real mnemonic. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Miami. Um, so take us back to like the building. I, I heard a story about because um, everyone is aware of it. Has played hockey at, in in Alaska, especially in Anchorage. Uh, the step down on the Boki too. We, I was as a kid, I'm like, why in the hell would someone? 
build a rink where it's, you don't just step out onto it. You've got to drop two and a half feet or whatever it is. It seems like four <laughs> feet when I was a kid. Uh, but what, what, can you take us through why that was? I heard you know, you, you know the answer to that question. Well, I do know it pretty well, I, I, but I, I've got to preface the answer to that question with a little bit of history because we had tried to build an indoor rink for the city uh, starting in about 1970, and we met resistance. Uh, uh, George Sullivan was the mayor, and he was a pretty political animal. And while he was supportive of the hockey, um, he didn't want to compete with anybody in the private industry who was interested. And there was one man who was interested, and it was Barry White who built the sports arena, brought that building down from Nome, the old hangar building. And uh, didn't have artificial ice at first, but it, then he did get artificial ice, and that was the end of the efforts for, not the efforts, but the end of any success for us to build a municipal indoor ice rink. And I learned a big political lesson, a hard political lesson because, along with a lot of other people, because the hockey community to organize itself and make its voice heard would dress up its kids in jerseys and bring them down to the municipal yeah. assembly meetings and say, some mother would say, build something for them. And the politician would say, yes, yes, let's get a committee, and, we'll, and it never went anywhere. But when, I think it was 1973 was the last, maybe the last year of uh, the uh, sports arena indoor ice. It wasn't around very long, right? No, three or four years. Yeah. No, uh, the Wolverines played the uh, Arctic Winter Games in 74 in the rink. Well, anyway, to get back to these, uh, I, when Barry White ended his private efforts, George Sullivan jumped behind the effort to build a municipal indoor rink. And Ben Bokey was the result of that. Ben Bokey was the city manager. Yeah. And he's a dear friend of George's because I had a lot of discussions with the mayor about naming this new rink. Uh, ben Boke didn't like skating, he didn't like hockey, but he was George's friend and he was the manager. And, ironic. Yeah, ironic. So yeah. it was Ben Boke won, and we had to scrape together a lot of different sources to get Ben Boke one built. And when it came time a few years later to build Ben Boke two, um, what, what year was that Bogey 2 was built? I would say it was probably four or five years after yeah. Bogey 1. Yeah. But the money was even tougher to get. And uh, when 
I, I was on a committee with Barry Gottstein uh, that uh, George Sullivan appointed to build the first Ben Boki, and we started out thinking we'll do it as inexpensively as we possibly can, save the city some money, and get the indoor ice. And so we were looking at metal buildings. And Gottstein said to me, well, Frank, which is best, uh, you know, in the long run, a cement block building or a metal building? And of course, the answer was pretty obvious. It's a cement building lasts a lot longer than a metal building. He said, well, take that to George. That'll be our committee's report. That's the building we want. And I learned another lesson there, and that was that uh, it's hard to sell any kind of a project to the city because uh, it was the municipal assembly at that time that uh, uh, was representing the original city. And they were careful with their dollars. But Jim Crawford was uh, an owner and the manager of Spinard Builder Supply, and he was on the assembly. And it occurred to me that if I mentioned to Jim at some point in time that we would like to build this new rink and wondered if he'd be able to supply the block, the interest in the assembly in building the rink skyrocketed. And uh, when we mentioned that we were going to use wooden beams for the ceiling, and we wondered if Spinard Builders could supply those, Ben Bokey One was built. But when it came to Ben Bokey Two, when we scraped for the money, we ran out of all of the money, and even George Sullivan couldn't find any more bucks for us. And we were lacking one round of cement blocks to go around to get whatever the designated height from the ice center yeah. to the, yeah, I forget what that distance is. But the shell was all the way up to that last round. And so I George Sullivan said to me, said, Frank, you started all of this. What about it? I said, I'll solve it if I can. And I went to the contractor and I said, dig it down another 10 inches. So that's that 18 foot drop, 18, 18 inch drop. Step yeah, into the Ben Bokey too. <laughs> that's, that's one of those things that I've always thought, like why, but that, that's, that's brilliant, brilliant. So you were you were involved in in that, and then as well as your, the Miami, um, the management group that. Well, George Sullivan uh, was supporting as long as um, you could convince him that this facility could pay for itself and operate itself without 
having to get into a new class of municipal employees. And that's what led to the creation of Miami. Those were volunteers, uh, people who were interested in hockey in the community. And they became the board of directors for Miami. And uh, while the actual rink rats had to be city employees, uh, the management did not. And so Miami ended up managing both the Ben Bokies and did a great job of doing it. And there's a new Miami being talked about now. It doesn't stand for Mulcahy Ice Arena Management, but they call it Municipal Ice Arena Management, Inc., in order to get the same kind of a mnemonic yeah, that, yeah. that's easy to remember. And uh, they've been in discussions with the municipality. They would like to have all of the user rinks returned to user use. And uh, for all of the reasons that uh, you've probably talked about here a lot before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and hockey has played uh, a, a major role in this homeless solution that the city has come up with. So hockey's been willing to do its share of making a contribution of its facilities. But I think that uh, the city is now going in a different direction in terms of a longer term solution rather than taking away the user facilities. Um, they were built for a different purpose. They served the purpose they were built for really well. And it's a little more questionable about making them serve the purpose for the homeless people. So it seems like uh, it may be a temporary contribution. I hope it is. Right. So ap after the original Miami, uh, was it Ogden? Was there, w w yes. was there another one in between there that I'm missing? I don't remember another one. I think it was Ogden. That Ogden was came in, with that kind of when Sullivan Arena started happening? Well, I put another group together to bid on the operation of the Sullivan Arena because that was George Sullivan's prime project 80s facility and uh, didn't hurt that it was named after him either. <laughs> I wanted to see that be successful. And so I had the same concept that I'd used with Miami put together, but the Sullivan Arena had to go out to bid because of the nature of the funds that they were getting from the state. So it had to go to a public bid. The city was concerned about a volunteer organization running that particular facility and asked us not to bid. And in the end, we withdrew our bid and went to 
I think it was Ogden. Ogden's done a great job of operating. It's just that there's an operating expense built on top of the right. uh, cost of running the rink. So. Well, in, in that, in, well, in that regard, because <clears throat> I work for Fire Lake Arena Management, have for 23 years, and that's a, a local um, management group that has a contract. So our contract is up December 31st, but they've given everyone a year. They're going to extend everyone for a year because of the COVID, whatever. So I, I know the group you're talking about. I've heard some rumblings about that as well, and and uh, I, you know, they they've. Uh, <laughs> SMG is not one of my favorite uh, groups of people because I don't think they do right by uh, by the buildings they run and by the people that they run them for. But that's just me. Um, so I, I had a long history when an SMG tried to come into into the uh, Fire Lake and, and basically take our contract from us. And uh, I found out after the fact that was actually you know they make you do this RFPs about you know three inches thick took me about three months not the smartest guy around uh but I, I i did all that work for that rfp and it really didn't at the end of the day it didn't matter what i put on that rfp it was already predetermined that it was going to go to for whatever reason someone above by was a whoever the minister manager was i don't even know but they were looking at economies of scale but what they lose there and i think you'll agree with me is you lose that local ownership i mean you look around right now and i'll flat out say that the max centers has kept its reputation as a very nice clean well-run rink and I can't say the same for Bokey I can't say the same for Dempsey and that and this is I, sorry for the listeners but I go off on this uh, Dempsey was one of my favorite people of all time and to have his rink be in the state of disrepair that it is it, it pisses me off big time and and I think that's got to be a change that that uh, has got to be made I mean because <clears throat> these little kids growing up these young families that have kids don't even know who Dempsey was but the first thing you think about Dempsey is piece of shit rink that 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 is not right um so i i, I do hope they, they they fix that and on the dempsey question and maybe you can answer this i've been trying to figure this out for a long time i've asked a bunch of people what was the original name of the dempsey anderson rink it was because dempsey it was it was built it was built right around the max center's time 84 85 dempsey died in 89 they named it after Dempsey, but it was called something. And it was when I was in high school. I remember, I want to say it was like West Anchorage Rink. Or Do you remember what that was? There was another name, uh, but it was always a temporary name is my recollection because that Dempsey concept came about because Bokey one and two were both pretty busy and figure skaters were skating at uh, early, early hours. One of the figure skaters' father was, had been a legislator and a state legislator and my recollection is that he was a um, had moved away from the legislation, the elective job, and become a, a kind of a spokesman organizer. His daughter was a figure skater. 
And in the end, he was the principal cause of the legislation, giving the money for what's now Dempsey One. His only condition was that it had to be closer to Turnigan where he lived. <laughs> and the city had land up there. Uh, it seemed appropriate, and the location didn't seem inappropriate at all. Yeah, that's not bad. And so and there was land down at Mulcahy as well, and so there was some talk about doing away with the outdoor rinks at Mulcahy next to Bokey and putting another indoor sheet of ice there. But it didn't happen, and it didn't happen because of this figure skater and her father. But uh, <laughs> so it's up to, and I sort of recall that there was a little bit of a, a contest or some committee or somebody who looked into the naming uh, of the first rink, uh, the Dempsey one. And it didn't take very much to come up with Dempsey Anderson as being a, a name that ought to be remembered. So that's kind of my recollection of how it finally got into his name. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, like I said, I'm pretty passionate about Dempsey, and, and uh, I, I hope they can turn that place around. And they, and they can, it, it's just, um, <laughs> it, it's a lack of uh, paying attention in, in my eyes. And, and the other thing is, people pay big money to, I mean, you guys know what it costs to buy ice in the municipality, 350 bucks an hour. You know, for 350 bucks an hour, we should be getting, you know, clean locker rooms, clean toilets, you know, because I've been there and it's just been a, in a mess and it just, it just drives me crazy. I don't want to get stuck on that, but uh, hopefully we can figure that out with this new management group. We'll see what happens. Um, but uh, Jimmy, I got, uh, I want you to tell me about, I guess there was a, I talked to Ray Riki, who we are also going to have on the pod here one of these days, but um, he said that there was a pizza place and I wrote it down and I can't find it, but there's a pizza pit place down by, um, down by Sullivan, Cal Worthington Ford area, the uncles. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, Chuck's Pizza. Chuck's Pizza. So yeah. there, there was they had a bunch of eating uh, and drinking contests, uh, if you will, where you had like certain amount of time to finish a 36-inch pizza. Uh, and the other one, I think that you grabbed on too, was the massive Stein of beer. I'm not sure. Coach said it was like a. Uh, 1.5 gallons that's in a huge tall thing you had to stand on a it was a german stein which held five liters of beer and so you had you had and how much time to drink that bad boy uh, they put me on record as 43 minutes to drink the five liters <laughs> so so you you get the record then what happens well there's uh there's, someone did beat the record <laughs> three, three airlines do this. Yeah, from Swedish it's, Airlines it's, it's, or something like know, that? Yeah. yeah, it could be, but uh, I know there's three uh, Swedish or whatever airline do this, beat my record. But it took three of them. But three of them, and that's, that, that was allowed. They, 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 they must have been, they they been good looking. Three. What's that, they Walt? Allowed three, they allowed three people to beat Jimmy's record? Well, they must have been good looking. You know you know how it goes. Okay, fair enough. Fair so enough. so then they, they beat your record, but then I heard you came back and said, sorry, I'm taking it back. That's wrong. I didn't go back. Really? No. 
Coach, you got some explaining to do. I, the, the story I heard was they, they beat you. You came back two weeks later. No, I didn't come back. I probably drank that much, but it, it wasn't in the leader. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, wrong, nothing wrong with a couple of barley pops, you know. Um, so one, one thing I'd like to uh, – uh, one thing we've talked about uh, on the podcast um, quite a bit is just how, how much the game has changed. So from, from you guys um, – I mean, the game has obviously changed uh, huge. Um, what's your guys' take on, on a couple things? Uh, one is just uh, uh, the lack or the taking out of, of body checking in hockey today. What's, what's your guys' thought on that? Because I, my dad was a big stay-at-home defenseman, loved to hit, loved to be rough and tough. And I can just imagine he was, what he would say at this point. Maybe not. Maybe, I mean, like at the end of the day, we talk about, Walt and I talk about all the time, you don't want – we don't want kids to get hurt. You don't want you don't want kids to get hurt uh, playing the game or adults for that matter. But uh, it, it has been a part of the game. What's your guys' take on on the, you know the attempt now to take kind of hitting out of the game or checking? Sorry. Well, the thing about checking, it's the individuals themselves are how they want to play the game. Some uh, take it seriously, and the others can just rub them off. But there's a few that uh, take it seriously, and they hit them too hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that, well, that, that's the kind of hits we're trying to take out of the game is the predatory type hits. Like we talk about Stevens a lot. I mean, he was a, Scott Stevens was, he was a predator among predators. And back then that was, uh, you know, that was obviously within the rules of the game. And uh, I was always taught as a kid, so you don't put yourself in that position. We've talked about that before where kids are now are putting themselves in bad positions on the ice, whereas when I was a kid, you knew it was coming. It was coming whether you liked it or not. So you did get it next to the boards. You didn't turn your back. You didn't, you know, bury your head. And now these kids are going like, hey, man, it's against the rules. I'm going to stop up here, turn my back three feet from the boards and get blown up. So it's definitely changed the game. But, um, like, Frank, what do you what do you think about it? Like, the new NHL. I mean, you, you watch an NHL game now um, and you go back – you know, back to the 90s, go from the 90s to the 70s, and you're like, holy shit, these guys in the 70s are just like whacking each other, and even further than that, it was, it was a very, very violent uh, game, and now it's, it's a little, uh, little easier on the eyes, I guess, so. Well, the NHL is one thing, and uh, what we're playing is recreational hockey, and we're playing it at a reasonably good level. Yeah. Uh, Every, everybody has other things to do <laughs> the next day. And so what started out, I think, in Canada at age 35, at least that's when I remember it starting. Those were these adult leagues where they uh, dialed back some of the violence. I think they started with the slap shot prohibition and uh, increased the lack of contact over the years. But it took a lot of learning to do that for the people who were playing the game then. And I think now, at least uh, in this uh, adult hockey that uh, we play in Anchorage, which is I'd, I would almost said far and away, but that might be too strong. But it's uh, uh, quite a good caliber of hockey, and it's it's the envy of most of the players our age that I meet at 
different places around the states where we've played uh, that we have this brand of hockey and that we've got the inventory. Now that, of course, is before we learned about the 800 over 80s in, <laughs> in, in Ottawa. But um, yeah, it's a gentleman's game now and it's exercise and you're gonna get up and feel good in the morning uh, instead of feeling bangs that uh, simply accomplished something. It's a passing game more than a scoring game. I think those have all improved it, but they've made it quite different from the way hockey was played when yeah. we were kids. For, yeah. So I like the improvement a lot. I think it's, uh, there's a huge place for that game uh, nowadays. And uh, I think in the adults are coming back to play more hockey now because they can learn it more quickly. Uh, they can afford to pay it. The costs for being involved and and they go home and it happens every day right on schedule. Weather doesn't make any difference. It's, yeah. So it's got all those advantages going for it that the biking, running, jogging, you know, outdoor soccer, they don't have. They're dependent on something before that game can be played. And uh, so this adult hockey, I think, is a, it, it's a new concept, relatively new and a uh, real welcome one to have. Very, very enjoyable. I think real rewarding. Yeah, well, you, you'd be proud of the RHL. That's the kind of what we built our, our bases on was the uh, frustration we had in, in mostly in town with, uh, you know, again, guys trying to take your head off and that, and you got to go to work. And, and uh, so we take it real seriously at our, at RHL. In and, and large part, uh, due to Steve, with his refereeing background, he's got uh, – He's got his hand on the pulse of the refs, and uh, and we, you know we we take that uh, talking shit back the refs pretty serious too. So um, you know there's like like you guys probably have there's a couple instances here and there of guys uh, getting their their feathers ruffled, but uh, for the most part it's been been pretty good. So I can. Totally but we play that. without refs, and that's another aspect of the game that has developed. Uh, there's this conscience. Uh, People call their own offsides. Um, and then it's a group pressure to, to do those do the things, right thing, the right yeah. thing, right. yeah. And so that's a learned experience for, I mean, if you could get away with something at a certain time in your hockey career, you did. Yeah. But uh, now it's uh, not that important. And, uh, yeah. and so you play by our rules. So without the referees, we feel like we probably get another 15 minutes, maybe 12 minutes yeah. of skating yeah. in. And uh, the game doesn't stop. And when it does happen to stop, it's because we flip the puck to the other end and let the other team come down. Yeah. Because, you know, so it, uh, it's uh, from an exercise standpoint, we're getting a lot more out of it. Well, you guys look great for you. I mean, you guys are in better shape than we are. <laughs> Easy. Hey, you know what? You know what? I'll tell you. When Reed and I first started discussing the RHL, 
we were discussing no referees uh, just for that exact reason that you said, just to improve the gameplay uh, time and speed. And uh, that got voted down. <laughs> yeah, that got voted. That got voted down by those by those guys that you don't allow in your league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, they yeah. Got, we got a couple of idiots, but uh, hey, J- Jim, Jimmy, and Fred, hey, do any of you have either one of you cross path uh, paths with that uh, Mark Sertich, that guy from Duluth, the ninety-nine-year-old guy? R.I.P. Buddy. I actually uh, we have, and I thought I'd bring this article. Um, I'll just pass it over and you can take a look at it. It was published, I think, in a Minnesota newspaper. It, uh, he just died. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think the last time that we saw him was at a Snoopy contest. And we were try- trying to think of the year, Jimmy. Oh, I don't know what year it was, but I, I, the name he called in his face does feel familiar, but it's been a few years. Yeah. It says right here he's a 1939 Duluth Denfeld graduate, World War II veteran. He's a, twi- he's a 21, Rito. <laughs> yeah, he's a no, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So he, <laughs> he he went to the same school as my dad. That's funny. Uh, but I've I've read some stuff on him before, and I was going to bring it up before we said. But yeah, that's uh, I guess his his goal was to play till 100, and you know, he played like you guys. He's playing you know two three times a week and. I knew he played a lot. In fact, I, I read another article where he played at this, uh, the, this uh, Heritage Center in Duluth. You guys ever been there? That's a pretty cool, cool spot. And they do a great job of uh, the history of like Duluth hockey players. And like my dad's on that wall, and just got anyone who's ever played anywhere, or done anything in hockey, is is represented, and it is a beautiful building. I mean. Something like the lakes of which we could never afford Alaska, maybe because you know we'd be a couple bricks shy. But um, it, it it it's beautiful and uh, yeah, what a, what a great guy and and uh, yeah, I, I read something else where he he'd get up every morning and you know do his fifty push-ups, crunches, and whatever he did. I mean, he was just in good shape and and just uh, loved by everybody. So yeah, that's uh, that that that's awesome. So re- rest in peace, uh, Mark Sertich for sure, um, man. Maybe you guys should be able to make it to 100, I think. I mean, just looking at your guys' bodies right now, you guys look <laughs> – yeah, we're not going tarps off here because we'll get embarrassed easily. But uh, I got a quick story. So uh, Jimmy Reese used to coach me back in the day, and I remember we had – the memory I had, I think – I want to say we were out, outside ice, but we might not have been. I want to say we were out Bartlett playing, playing outside, but we had the parent-kid game. And so Jimmy comes out and was like, hey, old guy, we're going to take it easy on you today. J- Jimmy just goes out there and freaking rips us up. We were getting pissed. Kids are breaking their sticks over the boards, and Jimmy's over there. It's like, yeah, oh, the guy can still play. And he's still playing now. So yeah. That's what I call you guys, poor, poor uh, sportsmanship. Yes, right. Well, we, we did learn. Just so you know, we, we did learn. It took, it took us a while of, of getting beat down, but uh, – but yeah, that was awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. Walt, you got anything else? Uh, well, I don't know if this is any truth to this, but I kind of calling around to some of the people I talked to, uh, uh, legend has it that, uh, that Jimmy Reese may be the all time leading, uh, point getter in adult hockey in the state of Alaska. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not, but I did. I, I was told 
that he could very well be the all-time uh, point getter in, in adult hockey in the state of Alaska. So I, I don't know if you wanted to comment on that. Well, or not. It's a good possibility. I've got trophies for high scores about four years in a row, but that's in the <laughs> senior league. It's in the sixties. But <laughs> yeah, well, the other thing is, you don't you don't find too guy too many guys over eighty that uh, do have a what they call a, a hockey DB profile, which is a hockey database. So if you ever want to look up any player, if you guys know this, I mean, you use that hockey DB. And I was pleasantly surprised to see uh, Jimmy Reese, and it says uh, 73, 74, 74, 75, 75, 76 Wolverines. It only has – it has two of them are uh, stats unavailable, but uh, the one that does have 30 games, five goals, 11, 6, 16 points. That's probably wrong, but uh, – it might have been just league games, you know, you know, not whether we're counting, but to have a hockey deal, that was, that was, that was awesome. I thought that was cool. Another, another thing that I wanted to uh, touch on, and I just want to let these guys know that uh, some of the people that were giving them high praises, uh, um, Jim Anibus is my father-in-law. He was on the Anchorage fire department for 30 years and, and, and uh, he had uh, a lot of nice things to say about you guys as far as, uh, uh, playing hockey and he was kind of the one that gave me some of the Wolverines and Han Plummer stuff. Uh, Tony Bonetta, who I think still plays goaltender with you, um, had some nice stuff to say about you guys. Well, he's actually the one that came up with the quote about you guys can still play the game. Um, and, uh, and, uh, he, he enjoys having beers with you guys. And then, uh, I mentioned, I was talking to Steve McSwain senior today and, uh, and, and, uh, he mentioned, uh, you know, what, what a, great couple guys you guys were as well so uh, uh nothing bad from anybody that i've talked to and, and uh, you guys got high marks from uh everybody that i spoke with so I, I this has been a really cool thing to listen to you guys uh talk about uh last hockey well we like your friends <laughs> <laughs> but i can tell you that jimmy got a hat trick the other night so i don't know whether that's in the stats well, it just adds, it just adds to them. Yeah. We'll have to talk to the stat guy. Hey, the stat guy. Um, the, the only thing is, we don't even keep score. <laughs> if I know Jimmy, he's keeping score. He's <laughs> come on, he's keeping score. Uh, well, well, thanks, guys. I, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm um, 52, and this year I'm, I'm taking a year off hockey. Uh, so uh, now, now I'm feeling really bad. <laughs> I should probably. Uh, not that I'm going to, Steve. I say you signed up, trader. He's going to be just admin with me. Because like you talked about guys who just organize. That's Steve and I. We do a lot of the organization. So, um, you know, sometimes it's tough. to. I would love to be the guy that just showed up, put his skates on, and skated. I, I would love to be that guy. I usually am, I've never been that guy. I'm the guy that organizes. I'm the guy that... And you're trying to be out there a good time, and there's guys bitching at you, and they want to talk to you, and they want to talk to you, and this sucks, and that sucks, and it's just like, uh, yeah. So uh, I'll be stepping away for this year. But, I mean, I'm, maybe they'll be – you guys have inspired me. Maybe I'll be back. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get on the list. Maybe I'll get on the tryout. <laughs> I mean, uh, never was that good, but uh, for 50, I'm not bad. The first thing you do is got to get on the list. You don't have to worry about tryouts. <laughs> How, how what, what's the waiting period? Is it is it uh, heavy heavy hazing or? Uh, oh, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Am I going to be sitting on that list till I'm sixty, waiting to get a shot, or is it uh, relatively? Yeah. Well, I don't know the way Steve talked here uh, here a few days ago. 
it might be easy to get in right now because a lot of them are trying to quit on the kind of this COVID deal. Right, right. And we're, we're running the same thing with uh, the RHL. Some guys are... Uh, wife's a nurse maybe they're a nurse whatever and they're they're really taking it serious which is great i mean if if people are um are obviously um worried about it and um then 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 don't show up but um we're gonna try and have a season we don't know what's what's gonna happen but uh you guys are gonna continue to play the 49ers pretty pretty solid so far well i have been this summer you know we the summer is pretty much the same group, but it is organized and run by the arena management. And the 49er group takes over organization and management starting in October until the end of May. So we'll, we'll see, there might be, you know, there have been a couple of people that skated with us generally yeah. that have stayed home this summer. So, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, you guys are you guys are still still playing. I mean, you guys. It sounds like you guys be talking. Oh, you guys we're still we're still playing. Yeah, it. I plan on keep on playing as long as the race. Hardcore. So you guys you guys wear half shield, full shield, no shield. Oh, half shield. Well, I wear half shield. Yeah. And the rink ha- uh, you have to. Wear you have to wear half. Yeah. yeah. Would Would you wear it with nothing if you could? I've gotten used to it, so I don't take it on and off. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't wear anything, but I probably should. Well, I don't have to worry about it next year. But, uh, yeah, I'm one of those guys. I just like. Hey, hey, Rito. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about, I mean, we need to have these guys on again. Oh, absolutely. We, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, because, I, you know, I mean, these guys are badass hockey players. And, shit, they're still playing hockey. And, I, yeah, I, I think we need to make them, uh, like, at least uh, once a season interview absolutely um so one thing i want to touch on frank that i uh, personally uh you're where were maybe still are uh mountain climber climb some little mountaineering in the, the well, that was my year. first interest when i came to alaska was was mountain climbing yeah i did do a lot of it for years so where, where did you chugach alaska range Pretty much all over. I mean, uh, it was a little bit different um, in the 60s and maybe even into the 70s because the climbers really wanted to climb and uh, they weren't so much interested in having things named after them or getting first ascents or this route. It was, you know, just climbing. There was a lot to climb. A lot of them were first ascents, probably. Well, back in the 60s, but, that's when all these peaks here, uh, in the Chuk- in the Eagle River Valley anyway, you know, you talk about uh, Eucla and, and all these peaks back here, Cora Husk, on and on and on, that were first ascents in the 60s with guys like Art Davidson. And who's some of the other guys that, that you had climbed with? Or Well, my closest climbing buddy, I guess, was Ray Janae. We... Um, he ended up uh, operating the first local guiding service on what was in McKinley. Yeah. But he did a lot of rescue work and 
volunteer work, and he and I were close, and uh-huh. we did climb a lot together. And, but Art, Art climbed a lot too. Yeah, those uh, Art was in a couple of those McKinley climbs that Janae was in, where. We thought they were all gone. Yeah, they got nasty. Yeah, we thought they were all lost. But what's the name of the book? Is hundred uh, minus one hundred and forty nine degrees, something like that. Well, there's that one. There, a lot of them have been written on. The most recent one that I remember is called Howl. Oops, sorry. I'm kicking the table here. And uh, the name. The author's name isn't just coming to me right off the top of the bat, but his father was the Park Service manager in the 60s. And there was a movement during the 60s to prohibit climbing on McKinley. It was too dangerous, and there had to be rescues and money spent. All the things that people are entitled to say um, mostly people who stay home, and so it's a point of view. But he stuck up for the climbers, and at some point, so I think it was in 1968, because I was the president of the Mountaineering Club at, at that particular time, I wrote a letter thanking him for his support. And he took that to heart. He had that letter framed. It was in his office, and so after he passed away a number of years later, his daughter first got a hold of me and said, would you tell us some stories? And finally his son got a hold of me and said, I'm writing a book. And he did write this book, and it's called Howl. And uh, that's the most current one that I'm aware of. Yeah, so you climbed a lot in the Chugach. I, I know the Chugach real well, because uh, after my dad passed, uh, a guy named Jeep Barano begged me to go climbing with him and i had climbed up a little bit here and there climbed baldy hiking with the fam whatever and he's like no you gotta you gotta get out and i was obviously in a funk man i was i was down and out and i was like yeah you know finally finally like dude i'll go let's go so we went uh god that had been 94 like october 94 my dad passed in august october 94 we went back and did the wedge, which for the Anchorage people, it's right back there. Pretty easy peak to, to walk up, basically. But man, we we and it was um, we said October. It was like rain. It was rain. It was raining in Anchorage, snowing up there, and I had the best time. I was like hooked, <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm doing this every day of my life. So I I hit it hard and was wanting to do like all the 21, uh, the 7,000 foot peaks in Western Chugach. 21. I got 14 of them. Then I had kids. Then those went. I think I got one one more after that, and so uh, it's kind of funny because you, you look back at that that and I was at that time I'm like 24, 25, and you see a guy like my age now, and you're like, ah, yeah, good old timer out there, yeah, you're out there getting it, yeah. And I turned my buddy now, I'm like, now we're the old guys hiking <laughs> around, and the young guys looking. I was like, yeah, good job, man, looking good, and I'm like, yeah, thank you, buddy. But uh, no, I, I I love the mountains, and uh, I I try to instill that in my my kids too. That's a it's, it's cheap therapy to have a bad day and then go out in the mountains just like hockey same thing you go to the rink kind of forget about things and and uh get lost in in what you're doing so yeah yeah these mountains are a wonderful gift for us here oh man i i I grew up in flat country but 
I can't imagine not being able to look out and see a mountain now. Yeah. Well, even, even in the COVID, I had buddies that were in uh, New York City and cities like Chicago and that, and they are stuck in their little cubicle. I'm like, I'm going out um, behind my house and bag the peak here with the boys. And it was just that they're like, oh, my God, you guys get to do that? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty special. So I, I think that's awesome. Do you still climb now? or? Well, those packs, you know, are a little bit hard on the back now, <laughs> yeah. so they're a little bit heavy to slog around. I like to hike yeah. still, but not carry the heavy packs. Yeah, the heavy pack is, uh, well, they've gotten lighter over the years, I think. I mean... Well, the pack has, you know, but the, pack. the contents are still... <laughs> but even those, I remember, sh- I mean, I used to cut my, uh, cut your toothbrush in half oh, yeah, because yeah. you shave like three yeah. ounces there and this and that, and it's yeah. like, yeah, you're trying to get, but at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, you still need the whiskey, so that's not going anywhere. That 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 never is going to go anywhere unless I go powder whiskey, which I'm probably not a fan of. But, uh, but well, hey guys, I, thanks for coming out. We'll we'll definitely uh, have you back, and um, you know we're having fun with a couple. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Octogenarians. You're saying it right, I think. Boom. I, 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 Walter will probably say it some. Some he'd probably twist it like he does the Illinois things, but uh, uh, Frankie Nosek, Jimmy Reese, uh, thanks for all you've done for Alaska hockey, and and uh, I hope uh, that all everyone out there can uh, watch, go down the subway. When do you guys skate? You guys skate Mondays, Thursdays? Yeah. Mondays, Thursdays. You want to see some old guys uh, out there still kicking it? And uh, I'm telling you right now, they got better abs than half the NHL right now. I can tell you that right now. So uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was wonderful to be here. Yeah. All right. And then uh, it's time for a dump and change, boys.